Hi, I'm Cece, and welcome to the Barry Dyers Podcast, where we share our most intimate insecurities, bariatric stories, and battle with obesity. So grab a cup of inspiration with me as we figure out life, post up together. Who's ready to hear an inspirational weight loss surgery story? Today, we're talking to Whitney. Hi, Cece. It's so nice to meet you. Yes, ma'am. I always like to start off with stats because I just remember what it's like being pre-op. We're trying to find stories and people that kind of fit us, body, shape, height, size. And we want to hear those inspirational stories. That was my burden, I think, for doing this. So what are yours? Yeah, so my stats are, um, I had surgery on March 12th of this year, 2021, and I was at my heaviest, 348 pounds. Um, Pre-op, I was 320, um, and then now nine months and one week (laughs) post-op, I am at 227 pounds, so I'm down 107 pounds since I started my pre-op diet. Oh my gosh, wow. So your starting weight was how much again? 300? Yeah, so 320 when I went into weight for pre-op. I was 330 when I really started um, like the pre-op diet type thing. So my lab work was 320. So yeah. How tall are you? I am like five, five and a half. (laughs) I'm always in between five, five and five, six. Girl, you got to pull that up. That half counts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, I used to always tell everybody I was five foot. Uh, I'm five foot. I'm five foot, but I'm four eleven. So when I went to the doctor, I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm four eleven. Make sure and get my BMI correct, you know, so I could get approved." Usually, I'd lie about it and say I was five foot. What surgery did you have? So I had the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass. What was that like? Um, I went in with a lot of preconceived ideas. So my background is I am a nurse. And so I actually used to work in the emergency department for nine years. So when I approached bariatric surgery, I was coming from a clinician background. And also I was in the ER. So I only saw worst case scenarios. We didn't see the normal patients. We saw when things went wrong, you came to see us. Oh, but you got all the good gossip on the actual complications that right. So that's that do happen. Absolutely. So that's what like held me up for so many years um, for going to pursuing this as an option because it was just like that fear was in the back of my head because I had seen what was Mm -hmm. what really bad things could happen. Um, So I went and had a really good conversation with my surgeon who works at the hospital that I, I was at. And I was like, this is, this is where I'm at. And he's like, that's the 5%. And I was like, that's all I see is the 5%. So I need you to like, help me walk through like what is actually to be expected if I'm not the 5% because um, I'm trained in that worst case scenario mindset and process. That 5%, you know, when you hear about that, I, I think when we're pre-op, we're just so desperate. We're like, I want to do it. And they give you the complications. You don't even hear it. You're like, I, I just want to do it. That's like yeah. before, whether we were starting a diet or whatever, we didn't care what the cost was right? or how much it cost for the meal plans or whatever. We just like, let's do it. But to fall on that 5%, I think I'm in that 5%. I was just talking about it on the last episode where I'm having some issues. So I think I need to get a revision to R&Y. 
So tell me all the good gossip. I'm dying to know like hydration is a huge one. Um, we had seen some malnutrition with long-term patients who had had um, sometimes more of the switch procedure where they weren't taking their vitamins as appropriate or weren't sticking and adhering to their meal plan. Of course, you have the strictures um, and things like that that were always making it difficult for people to be able mm. to eat. Um, and then uh, perforation or anything that was like a post-op complication or post-op infections. It just kind of was like, oh, you know, I only saw the worst. So I was like, I don't know if I want to really put myself at risk. I mean, I'm a mom, I have two kids, I have a wife, like, and I had yeah. a really traumatic like pregnancy and birth story with them. So I was like, I don't know if I want to put myself at risk. Is it worth it? And so for me, I, um, at the time was also in my doctoral program for nursing. And so I was like, I need to go to the research. Like I need to go and look at actually what the studies yeah. say. Yeah. And I'm that type of analytical person that needs to see the data. Yeah. Yeah. Peer reviewed. Exactly. Good, exactly. Yeah. So my surgeon was like, yeah. So my surgeon was like, hey, your BMI qualifies you for the switch. So I would recommend the switch or the gastric bypass. And I did a lot of the research. As a child, I had acid reflux. And so I had had a what was called a Nissen fundalupication, which means that part of my upper part of my stomach is already wrapped around my esophagus to give my sphincter closure so I don't have acid reflux. I had that when I was 13. So I was like, I don't want to like, I've had really great control with that um, my whole life since then. So I didn't want to mess that up. And the potential for the sleeve was that I was going to have more of a risk for reflux. And I was like, I don't want to go down that path again. So the ruin why it made more sense for us um, to go with that as a, our surgery. And so um, I did, I delved into the literature review and I was like, okay, I've got to go do a lit review and I'll come back and we'll have another meeting. And so that's what I did. And uh, we talked about it and the we felt like the ruin why was the best option for me. And um, I, I literally was like super nervous, but I was like, you know what, this is for my help. And then I had to remember my why, which is to be the healthiest I can be, to be yeah. an example to the people that I take care of um, in my life. And then, yeah. um, you know, I just wanted that wellness. I felt like yeah. I've been successful. Life's short, so, life is short. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been it. successful in so many different areas of my life. And I felt like mm -hmm. with weight loss, that was one of the areas that no matter the diet, the exercise, I couldn't be successful in. And it was just so defeating. Yeah, I hear that so much. And of course I felt that way too. So I actually had it at the hospital that I work at. So I work for Duke Health. Um, and so I, they are a certified bariatric surgery center. So for me, as you know, like I was talking about going through that peer review journal and things like that, it was very important to me to pick that type of a, a, a system. And then also my insurance was really great and covered it. Um, wow. That's great. Yeah. So your so coworkers, was, you yeah. already felt good there. Yeah. You. I felt very comfortable mm -hmm. and it was funny because I went um so after I left the emergency department I went and taught in nursing school so actually my nurses who took care of me post-op were some of my students <laughs> like, so it was just like a full circle moment for me <laughs> <laughs> that's really neat that you got to do it at a place that you you know was already home for you you know yeah, with the doctors yeah that made it such a unique experience I think because I had been co-workers and worked with people and I've been at this hospital for 12 years so I knew the people who were taking care of me and I felt very comfortable and confident in my decision because of that and that's just a unique perspective coming forward especially with the anxiety that I was bringing in from seeing the worst case scenarios previously <laughs> I know yeah the worst stories I think those are intriguing and I think we all want to hear them but what's uh, the worst thing 
that you've seen um, as far as, you know, bariatric? Bariatrically, I think the worst thing is like um, post-op bleeding where you have a hemorrhage or they didn't clamp a vessel correctly. That yeah. is, and it's very rare. So that probably was the worst thing I'd ever encountered. And so, I mean, that's just a really scary situation. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine getting home? No. Like, oh, I did it. It's over. And then you try to eat and then shit hits the fan down there. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Or throwing a blood clot, getting a blood clot and throwing a PE and um, something like that. So, and I have a blood clotting disorder. So that was another, another layer onto the anxiety was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) It must've been really hard for you because most of us just get a vague scope of what it is this is what the surgery entails they take up to 80 percent of your stomach and get a, the surface of it but you really have a good scope of everything that could go wrong and everything that happens and that must have been terrifying like it I really think. was it really was and so my husband and I both are in healthcare. he is a um, hospital chaplain so he of course is called in in the worst of worst situations mm. so we we kind of function in that brain space um, and how to handle that stuff and so but it's when it's you it's different and so yeah I have a, um, a blood clotting disorder called factor five line and I found out when I was pregnant with my twins that I had this disorder and had to be on like blood thinners the whole time so I had to have hematology clear me for the surgery um, because it was going to be such a long procedure Mm -hmm. just to make sure that you know I wasn't so at risk for blood clots afterwards um so that just added a whole nother layer of not only am I going to have all these potential complications with the surgery itself but then my body doesn't work the way it's supposed to so there could be all this going on as well and so it was it was a very scary time um but also at the same time I think the one thing that drove me forward was I knew, um, I just felt really comfortable and confident in my physicians and my care team. And also I just felt like this was, this was going to save my life. And it, and it has. I wish I had that on that 5%. I think that, you know, I talk about this in other episodes, but I went in for a hernia and the doctor that he referred me to, to fix my hernia actually was a bariatric doctor. And I just garage jumped on that like there was no no tomorrow I was like okay let's do it I'm ready you know but and went in for my first appointment with his RN and I kid you not it was in San Angelo Texas because my husband was stationed there at the time she was literally so uninterested on her computer practically like falling asleep just going through the motions just not even present and I was Fix and explode with the excitement of a new beginning and an answer to my prayers, you know, and she was just blah. I just remember that and it stuck with me. And then, and I thought, well, maybe she was having a bad day, you know, maybe she's just tired, you know, like we all have those days, you know, and then the next appointment, it was kind of the same. It was the, the nurses at the hospital who were amazing and just gave me that love I think that we need when we're in that position um that just kind of made it feel right but she did not the doctor was amazing too it's just she was not so it's just you never know what you're gonna get yeah and that makes and breaks an experience for mm-hmm. someone and so it's so important that yeah you that. what was it like coming home from the R&Y how was that 
So I think that my restrictions are a little bit longer than some of the sleeve things were as mm. far as what I could reintroduce. Um, I don't know specifically because I just focused on my R&Y uh, binder. <laughs> like I was like, I'm a nurse, but I'm not a bariatric nurse. So I need to know all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came home, I mean, I think I, I struggled with the same things that everyone else with which is hydration and getting that protein in. And you're so over those protein shakes by the time you're post-op and you're not hungry, but you know, you have to do this. And I was, I'm a very type A person. So I had my phone going off with timers and was like, had my little shot glasses of like, all right, it's two shots of protein. Then it's a shot of water. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that I had set up you were a good patient. A good I, was, patient. I was, I was like, I, if I'm given this chance to mm-hmm. do this, I want to do this the best I can. And that's how I approach things. And so, um, but it got hard. I mean, it was hard. I mean, cause then you were starting to process all the head stuff. So you're alone, you're post-op, you know, your, your husband goes back to work and you're, my kids were back at school and I was just sitting there and it's like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, what did I actually just do? And so you have that like buyer's remorse a couple of days in where you're like, your pain is up and you're just like, I'm miserable because I don't want to drink these protein shakes. And I'm like, what did I, I'm never going to be able to eat anything again. Like I'm, this is going to totally change my life. Um, and not as good as I thought it was going to be. But I think that you just, um, for that period of time, I had to journal, I had to write things down and like how I felt about them, because I just felt like if I didn't, I was just going to spin them in my head constantly. Um, and so that's when I also turned to the Instagram community and sharing my story more openly about what the post-op experience was, because you got feedback from the people who were following me, who are further along in this journey. And were saying like, Hey, this is, this is normal. This let's normalize what this is, what you're feeling. And so, um, and then I wanted to make sure that I saved those stories so that people who come behind me are like, what was it like on day two post-op? And so I looked back at those a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, first of all, I see how defeated I looked in my eyes. And then now, and I saw as I moved forward, how um, the excitement and the glow start to come back and like feeling like I was conquering something that I never thought was possible, which was my weight. And um, then also just being able to process, you know, when I started to add foods back in, uh, it got really interesting because my stomach was like, oh no, we don't like that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, what's wrong with you? I was so excited to have pureed peaches. And I was like, oh, and then I had like my first episode of dumping because it was too much sugar. And oh it was like, oh my gosh, what is happening to me? What have I done? Isn't that um, horrible? Like, it was horrible. It's like, you have like a five second head start to get to that toilet yeah. first you're like what is that huh my stomach and then you're like oh man then you're sweating and you're like heart starts racing you're like what am yeah. I having a heart attack like what is happening to me? it's terrifying and then yeah. it's just like water it's like what the hell is happening right now yeah. it's like you're yeah. you're okay. literally holding on the walls like yeah. you, know, you know we bought an rv and it's in San Angelo. So after surgery, I was, that's where we were and literally hold on the walls. Cause you know, it's not that wide in an RV. Yeah. And yeah. Was, it is terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, it is. It totally was. And I was home alone and I was like supposed to be going to carpool to pick up my kids. And I was like, Oh my um, God. Gonna, I was like texting the teacher. I was like, they're going to have to go to after school today. <laughs> like they're going to have to go to after school. Like I can't, 
gum right now. But I mean, I think that was, you know, it did get better. And I, you know, I had to learn a lot, like how to slow down when I'm eating and the hard way of, you know, when is, what is full? I think that was an interesting piece too. And I think every bariatric surgery after we've never really felt that before. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out what full feels like, but not over full and I finding know. Delicate yeah. balance. Yeah, it's, struggle. <laughs> the full feeling is like, I'm amazed because I get so hungry. And when I say that, I mean, brain hungry. I'm so brain right. hungry and I get my food and I want to eat all the things. I need to put that on a t-shirt, all the things, because we just want all the things. We just you know? do. And our eyes don't know we had surgery. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll get like here, I feel like I'm starving out here because there's nothing gluten-free and it's so hard to find food that I can eat that's dairy-free. And I'm learning what gluten and wheat is and German and Italian and trying to shop. I get my food. I'm like, oh, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. And I'll sit down and I'll get one bite of one or two little things and then I'm like okay eat the protein because you need that more than anything so I'll right. take the bite two bites of protein or whatever it is and then it's like oh shit I'm done <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I know there's bariatric patients who they can't eat reheated food right oh, wow that must really suck because yeah because that's um, all I do yeah, because you have to walk away and you're like, I can't because I can already fill my pouches. We're done. And I'll just leave it there and I'll, I'll wait an hour, 30 minutes. I'll give it some time to make sure everything, you know, drink some fluids and then I'll go back to it. It's cold and it's such a buzzkill. It's not the same. I just want to eat one. I just want to eat my dinner in one sitting. And you can, but it's like a little... It's a little cut. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like last night we, um, I just graduated with my doctorate degree. So my family was here and we were celebrating. And so we went out to dinner because she was like, you know, what do you do when you celebrate things? It's like, you go out to a big dinner. And so I was like, I really want to go to this one restaurant. I love it. It's burgers and sushi fusion, which is sounds crazy, but it's delicious. Um, oh, and sushi, huh? Yeah. And well, they, you the get like rolls? a mini burger, you get a mini burger and you get sushi rolls and like a bento box with like fries and then like Thai cucumbers. And it's like really delicious. Really? Um, it sounds like something weird. It sounds weird. It sounds so weird. It does. It sounds so weird. I mean, the restaurant's called Cowfish. So it's like, it sounds crazy. Yeah. But, um, so we went last night and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Cause I want, cause it gives you an opportunity to, you know, I was always that person pre-op when I was dealing with my binging was like, well, I can't make a decision on what I want to eat. I want the chicken nuggets and the hamburgers. So I'm going to get both of them. Um, and so I think that, you know, when I went to the last night, I was like, oh man, I really do want both of them. Like I want, I don't want just a burger. I don't want just sushi. I want both of them, but like. By the time the food got there, I took one bite of my burger, one little roll of sushi, and I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> like, I know. We waste so much damn money. It's not even funny. It's, it's, it's depressing. Like, okay. So there's like four boxes of leftovers downstairs. That's the dinner plan for tonight. Yeah. But, you um, could eat that for a week, little yeah, bit by little yeah, bit, but yeah. it's crazy. So it's just like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> Before when we'd go out to eat, whatever we'd order, we'd eat it in one sitting. Or we take a little bit home, and but we eat it the next sitting. But now I think if we, when we go out to eat, we eat just a tiny bit, we take it home and usually somebody else eats it. But if they don't and we get to it, it's like five meals. 
days worth. Like you couldn't eat it fast enough. It's crazy. It's so crazy to me how my husband and my kids share meals with me now. (laughs) So my husband's lost weight too while I've been on my journey. Oh, awesome. But a meal, because I'm like, it's pointless for me to order a big meal. And then my kids are like on the edge of where you order the kids menu or the regular menu because they're 10. And so it's like, oh yeah, mom, can we split a meal so they can get the adult meal? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very interesting. But um, yeah, because you can't, you can't eat all that food and your brain still thinks you can. Like we go to the places that trigger your favorite memories of eating um, because so much of our life resolves around food in the West. And so it was just one of those things that was like, okay, um, but I can't do that now. It still just amazes me even now. I'm six months out and it's still just, you know, you just can't comprehend it sometimes even now. I think no. it just, I'm waiting until it's normal. <laughs> it just, it still feels weird to me. It doesn't feel natural at all. It feels weird. What was your family like? And, you know, did your sisters and everybody have a hard yeah. time with you doing this or did they accept it well? So my family um, was very supportive, uh, very, very supportive. I think initially they were all, they all had the fears that I had because we've all seen people that have not had good situations. And plus, like I said earlier, I had a very traumatic um, birth story with my twins. So it was like, oh gosh, what is, you know, the first thing for them was all like, well, what about your blood clotting disorder? Because that was the first thing that they came to mind too, too. And so- my husband has been incredible and he has been amazing. And I was, have been processing it with him and my therapist for a while prior towards, I even went and had the consultation. And then I had, most of my friends were very receptive. And I had a couple of friends that were initially super like, oh, wanted to tell me like their worst stories that they've heard. <laughs> and so- Why and did they do that? I don't know, I know why. I know. And why so the it, hell? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was just the stigma of weight loss surgery as well that kind of came into it. And so initially I was, it was funny. I was sharing everything publicly on my Instagram on imperfect progress, but my personal page, I was not sharing like anything extra. So if you found me and you followed me mm-hmm. and you would know what was going on, but it took me six months to actually share with my, my community of people who knew me, who grew up with me and things like that, that I kind of translated to like, Oh, I did this thing. But everybody was incredibly supportive. My coworkers were incredibly supportive and they've been amazing like with how I've been eating and like, you know, the triggers for like when we had like the holidays are here and it's like, they know like, okay, we're not gonna keep all this out for you. Like they're very mindful that I've had the surgery um, and things like that. And so it's, I think that's really helpful. But also I think that as we were talking about how it's, you know, changed the way we eat out and that we eat and how much we can eat. I think it's not to, it doesn't at this point in my life though, it's not that it negates like how much I still enjoy having meals. I feel like, um, I still love gathering around a table. Like I, I love that, um, community that that brings together, whether that's with our small group, whether that's with my coworkers, um, I love gathering, or my family, I love gathering around a table. I think it just opens up that discussion and being able to be um, open with each other. And so it hasn't taken that away, which is what my big fear was, that I wouldn't be able to do that anymore because I couldn't eat like everyone else. But I'm finding that anywhere I go, I can still um, order off the menu. It may be something different than I would have ordered before, but I can still order off the menu and I can still do those things. So I feel like I'm not missing that piece. And so 
I'm not, I've had a great amount of support. I have been very active in the bariatric community on Instagram, um, plugging myself into book club and then also involved in Barry Nation. I totally want to join the, join yes. the book club. I haven't joined it yet. I gave her yes. a book that I have read and she's going to use it for your, one of your next months. Do you know how when you're bigger and people tell you, well, you have such a pretty face. Pretty smile. That's the title of it is, is something like that. Something about a pretty face. And it was a really good inspirational story. And I really loved it. Totally want to join that. And Barry Nation, I'm also getting with them on, they're going to do the co-host the Washington event with me. So I'm yeah. super excited to actually they're get and sit and talk with them. Yes, they're amazing. So I was able to go to the retreat. Oh, the retreat. I missed that. Yeah. yeah. How was that? It was incredible. Um, and then you're seeing people at different stages. You have people who are newly post-op, people who are pre-op, people who are years in maintenance, and you're able to be like, okay, this is what this journey is like and normalizing that. And so um, it was an, so impactful. Um, I, I'm so excited. I already got my tickets to go in May. Like it just yeah, made lifelong bariatric friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so exciting. How is <laughs> your family adjusting to yeah, uh, the diet so- change? So interestingly, um, because we have gone through things like previously with all the dieting, like Weight Watchers or Whole30 or whatever, they, my family has always eaten what I've eaten. I have tw- twins that are 10, 10 year old boys who want to eat everything. Um, and then my husband is not overweight. He never has been. Um, he, he may have put on a few pounds after we've gotten married and as mm-hmm. we've gotten older, but he wouldn't be classified as overweight. And so for him, he was like, what do you need? What do you need? And that's what we're going to do. And so, I mean, incredibly, I do most of the grocery shopping. And so I do, I'm, I don't put my trigger foods in the pantry. I know better. I have in the past. And I was like, oh, I can't, I still can't. I'm still tempted. Like that's, again, I had surgery on my stomach and not my brain. Like that's just something I can't have in the house. I do a lot of those um, trigger foods that I may have that are kind of on the borderline for me as prepackaged things that are going to go in the kids' lunch boxes, so that it's not something that's going to be something that I'm going to grab because I'm like, well, that means I'm not going to have enough, like an even amount of packages when I pack lunches. So like that will just bite me in the rear in the future. So I've done that and, or I'm like, my husband is so funny. He always has cookies and milk and I always said, he has cookies and milk every night before bed. It's hilarious, but I just buy the cookies that I'm not going to eat. Like, I don't like certain types of cookies. Now, if you put the like fudge, witch ones in the pantry, like I'm going to want to eat those with you. But if you put this regular chips, Ahoy, that doesn't do it for me. We don't buy Oreos, but the regular chips, Ahoy doesn't do it for me. So I just, yeah, that's smart. That's smart that you do that and that works for you that's good because you can't just like not put it in the house because the kids need those my son was eating those peanut butter and jellies that it's like already cut it's like round (laughs) what are they called uncrustables uncrustables yeah so my husband had got one from my son's house he was like oh my god these are so good and I'm like (laughs) that don't bother me because I know I can't eat that bread. It is okay. So he's pretty much the same way. He's a good six, two, two twenty. He's in shape, but he does help me too, though. Cause he knows that I can't have stuff in the yeah. house. I have no, if there's Dr. Pepper, I'm going to try to drink it. <laughs> that was my crutch. Dr. Pepper just in two years, not eating was my problem. I think I, I would do that a lot. I wouldn't eat yeah. And that that's was not good too. either. Yeah. Our busy lifestyle led it to, I wasn't a breakfast person. I didn't eat. I'd had my coffee 
like I'm drinking my second cup of coffee right here. Like I always had my coffee with me, but I didn't always have my water with me or I didn't always have, you know, I wasn't always eating. And so then when it came to those meals, then I would tend to binge because I was starving by the time I got to it. And so I just felt like, oh, I want all the things. And then, so that was a big trigger for me. So in the mornings now, I have a protein shake as soon as I get up, because I know I need to get that 30 grams in and go ahead and get that in. And so I have a protein shake when I'm getting ready to get the kids in the carpool line. And then I can have my coffee after I've gotten that protein shake in. Um, And then I plan my meals and snacks around that. So I've definitely been more diligent with that. And so, and now I even do that for my husband. I'm like, yeah, I packed your lunch. I did this. <laughs> so like yeah. when I'm going ahead and like pre-packaging, you know, our leftovers and so here's everybody's meal the next day, you know, the kids are getting leftovers. I'm getting leftovers. So and it's worked out really well. What is your go-to drinks or foods right now that you, your go-to coffee in the morning, how do you make it? Yeah. So I, I am not a profit fan and I know that's like, sacrilegious in this community <laughs> not everybody like, not like profi I just don't like it in my uh I just don't like the protein chicks in my coffee so I like to have um I usually do I am a coffee snob as I tell people I love locally roasted coffee so I always try to seek out local roasters um and get some locally roasted coffee and grind it myself we grind it ourselves and then I like to put a little bit of like sugar-free creamer in it or half and half and Splenda and then I add like my fiber so like just better fiber I always add my scoop of fiber to that and then but my go-to drinks in the um afternoons and things like that I'm obsessed right now with the Zolani new energy drinks which I'm like, oh no, they're like a little bit carbonated, but they're not carbonated enough that they bother me. So I have to be really cautious about not drinking too much of those. Mm-hmm. And I also love the protein twos because I'm, I want to make sure that I'm getting all my protein in because that was one of the things I struggled with initially. So having that little extra burst of like protein in my hydration is great. Um, and then I add a ton of like like crystal light type packets to my waters. Cause I just have a really hard time drinking straight water. Like I just yeah. want some flavor or something to it. It's amazing. Like I can't guzzle, you know how you would drink water and you would just guzzle it before mm-hmm. I can't guzzle water, but I can take some good drinks of crystal light. Like I can, yes. I yes. can chug some crystal light or yes. the protein 20 drink that. But when yeah. I try to guzzle water, I just can't. No, it's, like, it's, I, I don't know either. what, what is that the about? Weirdest thing. I don't know if yeah. it's a mental block or what, because it doesn't make sense. I didn't really change the consistency. Yeah. It's so weird what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I always make sure I have snacks with me. So I'm like, my go-to thing is always make sure I have some like light and fit yogurt. So I keep that stocked in my refrigerator at work. I keep some extra protein shakes in my refrigerator at work. Should things get hectic and I don't have time to take a break to eat. Um, at least I know I'm doing something so that I'm not getting to the point where I'm starving. And then I love like, I love the built bars. It's like, I like those consistencies and some of the dive bars. So I'll keep some of those, those quest chips, the taco ones. I don't know if you've had those before, uh-huh. but they taste like tacos. I'm like, I taste the lettuce. I taste the tacos. <laughs> and so when I'm having a craving for something salty or like a chip or something like that, the quest ones are kind of like my go-to. See, I'm but weird. I- I like those, but I don't like them by himself, but I like to make them in a taco salad. Ooh, I haven't tried that. I don't even, you don't even have to season the meat because I can't have a lot of spicy. And right. if you season the meat and those chips are super spicy, then it's too spicy. But I just put some chips in a bowl and then yeah. I get my turkey meat and then I put like a little bit on top 
and you put some cheese on it or whatever. And I like avocado to soften it, you know, and I just eat it like a taco salad and it's fucking delicious. I think, I think it's so good. But if I try to eat them by themselves, the only ones I can eat by myself are the ranch. Oh, I like those too. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Those are so good. I have to so tell good. my kids, like, these are mommy's chips, not yours. Like, you can't, <laughs> not your Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You eat yours over there. These are mine. Like, yeah. I bought no, I you the you. Doritos. Don't eat mine. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, man. So, Quest Chips, the built bars, you like those? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And some of those, like, chopsticks where it's just a straight, like, turkey um, protein stick. I like those types of things. They um, are something that I found when I did Whole30 multiple times that I could go to and eat, and it's just like a quick protein thing. But I'm really trying to work on getting away from so much prepackaged and really focus on more whole foods, which is really hard because you have to be more intentional about measuring things out and yeah. like you're not actually getting and it's easier to read a package sometimes you're like okay scan it added it to my app this is what I have so sometimes it's a little bit harder I'm trying to do that a little bit more now which is which I'm kind of going a little bit more with it's kind of that whole 30 type of mindset because I, I know I always felt good with that not being so strict um because I'm not going to give up my cheese and dairy right now <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I have a hard time lactose intolerant, but the way they yeah. process cheese is different than yeah. dairy. I know I can't have milk and yogurt. I can't do that. Yeah, I can sneak a little cheese, you know, but uh, my husband's lactose intolerant <laughs> too. So we've been using the vegan cheese, which I don't know, it gets kind of yeah. slimy when it melts. It's not as good. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. Yeah, don't tell him I said that because like, he's super excited just to have cheese. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's real good, but it's really <laughs> not good. You just scoot it, scoot it to the side. It. Yeah. But it's not the same. No, it's absolutely not the same. How about broccoli? Do you get vegetables in or, or you're still yeah, kind of I'm, not there yet? Oh, yeah. No, I love vegetables. I think it's funny that I, I find that most bariatric surgery patients that I've encountered have a craving for salads like we never had before when we can finally eat foods. So it was so funny because a lot of the people who are around me were like, we just want a salad. We just want the lettuce. Like we just want that like crunch and things, I guess, because we've been on soft foods for so long and then uh-huh. the protein sticks. So yeah, I do, but I have to like, I know that I, I can't have a lot of tomatoes. Tomatoes are one things that bother me post-op that never bothered me before. I hear but that I a lot. Love, I hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I love um, zucchini and squash and green beans and asparagus, Brussels sprouts. I love almost, I've not had a problem with any vegetables. And so we try to stick with a good, you know, lean protein and then at least one or two vegetables um, with our meals, just because, I mean, my kids are growing and I want them to eat healthy (laughs) so we're trying to have a good mindset with that now too what's your favorite protein go-to you said you use protein 20 to get your protein in like um is it fair life or which one do you is your go-to protein so fair life was my go-to protein when I was immediately post-op which is probably why I burned myself out on it so quick oh okay because it was my go-to now I love um I actually do the premier protein I like the um I like the peanut butter cup one. It tastes like like the Reese's peanut butter one. And then I really like the winter mint flavor, which I know is only limited edition right now. 
Um, Girl, go would, stock it up. Stock it up. I know. Get it, I know. I've it. been ordering it from Amazon like crazy. Um, and then I don't like the ghost protein. So the ghost one, they have the Chips Ahoy and the Nutter Butter, and they taste just like Chips Ahoy. Mm. So I like to make, like, if I need a sweet treat, like, at night, um, but I need, like, a protein, I will actually make myself what I call my milkshake. So I'll use my Fair Life milk. So that's 13 grams of protein. I'll use a scoop of my, like, Chips Ahoy protein powder which uh-huh. is also 20 grams of protein do the ice and put it together and it's like I'm having a treat but it's actually less than 200 calories and over you know 33 grams of protein and so it's actually how do really they good. make that stuff taste I don't know just like what witchcraft is that I like, know I know it's I don't know how they make it taste like flavors that you were saying <laughs> It has no sugar. And how does it taste like a banana split or whatever? It's like, and you how smell do it and you're that? like, oh, it smells like it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's really good. And then um, I love the devotion nutrition. They have a sweet potato one, which sounds like really weird, but like, I guess because of the South, I like sweet potato pie. So it was a sweet potato pie based thing. And you can add different, they have flex flavors. So I like to mix it up. Yeah. I tried, I tried, I haven't tried the sweet potato, but I tried um, the butter one, which I thought was going to be disgusting Mm -hmm. I was like what is this and then I tried I tried a few of them in my coffees I really like the flex flavors I have a hard time with protein shakes because you know they have to be gluten-free and they have to be dairy and it's like blah 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 so I can't really eat those I love the flex flavors again I don't know how she does it they they smell like the chocolate mint one oh so good so yeah oh I can't imagine how do you use your your flex flavors. So I just like the other day, like yesterday, actually, after I worked out, I just went ahead and did the sweet potato pie one. And then I added, I had the pumpkin pie one and it tastes like a pumpkin pie. And I make it into <sighs> a milkshake and it just tastes so good. It feels like you're having a decadent treat, even though you're not. <laughs> yeah. So um, it kind of helps with, I had a big sweet tooth. And so that really helps with those mm. cravings. So like, I like to have those at the end of the day sometimes, or if I need something post-workout and it's in the afternoon, I'll have those. Um, so they're kind of like my go-to thing. The monkey bread one is delicious. The oh, yeah. um, chocolate one. one is delicious and in the chocolate. And then I caramel is delicious. So it's, it's yeah. so weird. Everything how we I've like, tried so far, I've really liked. It, it's really weird how we try things now that we would have, like, I'm not a big chocolate person. My uh, daughter-in-law had a sugar-free mocha peppermint creamer in her refrigerator and I was like, mm, I don't like mocha and I don't really like peppermint, but that's all she had. And I'm like in another country and I loved it. It was so <laughs> freaking good. I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with the peppermint and the little touch of mocha with the peppermint is delicious. I loved it. So it's weird how our, our taste buds are just changing. It's so weird how that is. I, didn't I don't like know how that happens. Protein. Yeah. I didn't like Premier Protein until now. Um, I didn't like it pre-op. That's why. I, and then the devotion, I liked it before, but immediately post-op, it was too sweet. So now I can drink it nine months post-op. So it just, I think it's really important if you're pre-op or even if you're immediately post-op to know that your your cha- your flavor of the way you taste things are going to change. And so like, don't buy in bulk. <laughs> that was my problem was like, I would go to Costco and get the thing. I know. Like, oh, 
is gross. <laughs> and so try to, if you can get smaller packages to try things. Because we all it do will. that. We get so excited. We're like, yeah. I'm so ready for this new, yeah. you know, oh, it's so exciting. And you feel so good going to the store and buying healthy stuff. It's like, it's yeah. so good. And we just get overzealous. I think we all do that. I know I did that. My husband's like, baby, don't buy nothing else until we eat what we have because it's so much stuff. <laughs> same, but, same yeah, thing. I like to ask everybody, what advice do you have for somebody who's pre-op, early post-op, or somebody who's at 5% or just mm-hmm. any advice that you have to help them? Because I think it's a struggle. I think. Yeah, no, there's a couple of things that I would say to someone like that. First thing is that you're not alone. We can all attest to that who have been on this road before you that you're not alone. And so it's really important to find your community that I feel like made the huge difference between um, depression and anxiety getting worse during that time for me, which is already something that I struggled with was being able to find my community and find my people. And, uh, and sometimes that's outside of, you know, your people that are immediately surround you. I mean, I started meeting people through Instagram, which I was like, I know that sounds crazy that I'm meeting all these people on the internet, <laughs> but like they became my people and they became like a second family. Cause they were like, no, this is normal or helping you process these things. So I think it's really important to find your community because they have that support. And so those days that really suck, you have somebody to go to and be like, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm really having a hard time. And how do, how do I do this? Um, and so having someone else that can help carry that burden with you is really um, helpful and important. The other thing I would say is to, is movement. Movement has played such a huge point part of my journey and it's something that I'm very intentional with at least 30 minutes every single day Um, or that could be working out whatever that looks like at any stage of your journey. I find that movement completely changes my mood. Um, I could be having a horrible day, feel completely run down, but if I just take a minute and take a mental break and take a walk, whether that's for me to listen to a podcast or just to walk in silence or walk with my dog, um, whatever that looks like, that can completely shift my day Or if I do, like for me, I love to work out and I I would have never in my million years thought that that would be a thing that I would say, but I love to move my body. And I look at it now as a way of celebrating what my body can do. Mm -hmm. And I'm celebrating the fact that I can move it. There's so many people who don't have the ability. And there was times in my journey that I didn't have the ability to move like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to celebrate my body with where it's at and how far it's come. And I feel like it's a way of honoring it. And it's also a way mentally that helps you kind of propel yourself forward. So you're not alone, find your people and move your body. And it doesn't have to be something crazy like a boot camp or anything like that. It could be just going on a walk, getting on a treadmill. It could be just, you know, standing in your living room and walking in place while you're watching, you know, whatever show you need to watch Uh or to kind of decompress. Um, Just be intentional with that. And I think you'll find a big thing. And then gratitude journaling. I find that going through and finding the little things that you can hold on to through the day, and it doesn't have to be something big. So it doesn't have to be like, something extraordinary happened to you. Sometimes my gratitude is like, I'm thankful for this warm cup of coffee that I have in my hands this morning, or I am thankful for the sunrise, or today it's rainy here. And I'm thankful that the cold weather is back because it got a little hot here for December for us in North Carolina. So it's like finding those little things that you can be grateful for, and they don't have to be something hugely significant. And again, it shifts your mindset and shifts your mood, which can really help um, when you're trying to process the emotional roller coaster that comes along with bariatric surgery. That's awesome. I think that's perfect because it is such a struggle. I think the gratitude journaling is 
just journaling in general, even if you're just, I've made a sheet of paper that my starting weight and, and wrote down the number 179, 178, 177. And every time I hit that, drop that pound, I would scratch it out and I'd have a reward. Just put it on paper, whatever it is that you motivates you or even just your thoughts or struggles. Yeah. And I would, I would highly recommend journaling throughout this process because you, it is such a crazy ride. (laughs) Essentially you'll have really high highs and, but there are some really low valleys. And so I think it's really important for us to be able to be honest and work through those things because some of us for the first time are actually having to feel the feelings that we've been suppressing with food. And that was what I was doing. I was actually having to feel the feelings that I had been avoiding with food. And so initially I noticed that I was having some um, transfer addictive behaviors where it was, I would be spending money instead of because I couldn't I was emotionally shopping instead of emotionally eating and so having to actually do the hard work and say I'm feeling these feelings where where am I at um what does this look like and um how do I move forward from here um was a huge thing and it's still a huge and it's something that I will continue to always work on um and but that's a big thing that I've been doing a lot of work in now is really working on this headpiece and trying to figure out like okay well, we didn't fix the head. So let's fix it now because the scale is not moving as quickly as it was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I can't be fixated only on that, that number or whatnot. In fact, I don't even like, I weigh myself once every two weeks because I was becoming obsessive and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm in a stall. I'm not moving, but I wasn't seeing like my body is changing in the mirror. My clothes are fitting differently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we forget that because we get so caught up on that. I want to see this certain number on a scale. And so for me, like doing the head work right now has been really helpful for me to be able to process like where I am emotionally and then what's triggered um, that emotional eating. And, you know, we're in the holiday season and that's just a whole nother layer onto it, whether there's a lot of joy in the holiday season and we celebrate a lot of things around food. um, And then there's a lot of sadness and um, grief during the holidays that we also have to, we have to deal with. And so having to actually face those things as opposed to like just confronting it with food or whatever else our additional vice may be. It's really important to really let yourself feel those feelings and understand where you are. Um, Because I think only by doing that, are we going to be able to move forward? For me, I've lost weight like two times in my life. I've got down to like one in my thirties, one thirties. And each time I felt awkward and just naked because my cover was gone and I couldn't deal with it and I gained it all back because I just I didn't understand and so this time around I'm trying to really focus on dealing with my childhood trauma and and it's okay to not have that covering and to feel that vulnerability and to deal with those issues it's hard but I think in the end we we got to Cause the weight is just part of it. Like, you know, yeah. we're going to lose weight, but if we don't fix the, yeah. the internal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you we know. don't fix it, then we're going to be right where we started. So yeah. if we're not doing this work on our mindset and on our, you know, being mindful of what we're eating or moving our bodies, we're going to become that same person that we already were, that we've been yeah. fighting to not be. And so, I mean, it's, it's hard. And that's why, you know, I think it's so, um, 
triggering when we hear that weight loss surgery is the easy way out because to me honestly it feels like somewhat the hardest way out because I've so drastically changed everything about my life immediately and then I've got to learn how to deal with it and I'm thrust into dealing with it no easing into dealing with it like I'm thrust into dealing with it early days post-op there is no way you can binge on anything no matter how you're feeling and so trying to figure out how to deal with those emotions is a whole nother thing Mm -hmm. but you're doing great I'm impressed with your progress just going to work now and you get to be the other end of the five percent well, I, um, I actually am not patient facing anymore. So I actually get to work with our new nurses that are coming into the hospital, um, which I absolutely love. I work with professional development. And um, so that's something I'm really passionate about. But I think that one of the things that has grown out of this is there's still even a stigma among healthcare providers and not knowing a lot about weight loss surgery. And like even my primary doctor was like, I see that you went to go see the weight loss surgery consultant. Like I didn't even talk to her about it initially. I just went to go meet with them just to kind of talk about, you know, where I was and what their thoughts were about medically managed weight loss or what that looks like. And she was like, I don't have a good grasp on that. And so even within our own system. And so that has been really great because I've been able to educate other people and providers that I've come in contact with from my story of saying, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable and share because there's still that stigma. Not only is there a stigma in the community, there's a stigma in the healthcare community too about what they think weight loss surgery is. And it's not. And that's why, you know, I like to call it not weight loss surgery. It's bariatric surgery because it's just a totally different process. And it's not just about the weight. It's just, it's exciting to see a transformation. Like in a year from now, you're going to post pictures of your before and you're amazing after, and it's going to be like, what, you know, it's like one of those wow moments, you know, and I think that we all want that. We all want that for ourselves to have that. Whoa. Cause right now I don't want to get, I don't like being in front of the camera. I'm just, I'm not, I don't care how much, how pretty people think we are. It's like, I don't feel comfortable, but you know, we all deserve that wow moment, I think. And yeah. So I'm excited to see yours and I'm so glad I got to talk to you and get to know you. You'll have to come out to one of our events. I don't know who's close to you. Yes, I know. I'm on the East Coast, so we'll have to figure something out that's closer over here. But I just thank you for having me. And you're right. I'm excited to see the transformation, but something I've seen more so in the last two months has been that transformation that's mentally having and seeing that light change in my eyes. So Mm -hmm. now before the after pictures, when I'm doing face-to-face Friday or transformation Tuesday, I see the girl glowing that wasn't glowing before. There's like the spark. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you see it in all the pictures. Yeah. And it's like, it's amazing. Something just lights up and it's just, you're finally free. It's like you're, you, you're awake for the first time and it's this amazing feeling and I just think it's beautiful that spark and that person was there in the beginning but we couldn't find her you know but she was there she was there and so it's incredible to see her being there and being present for the first time in a really long time yeah, so, absolutely. It's absolutely. A great, Thank you so great. much for having me. Yes, ma'am. I can't wait to put your episode and I will talk to you later. God bless. Right. I wish you the best and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcast. And check us out at Patreon. That's patreon.com 
forward slash fairy diaries for more exclusive content, deep dives, and info on upcoming events. Don't forget, follow us on social media. See you there.